think it'd be a perfect time for us to kind of like recap and kind of see like okay, where what's been what's been happening here in formation. So course, all my life, the rest of my life, right? That's our thing. Uh, yeah, all my life, the rest of my life. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't surprise any of you. Uh, so we we heard Andrew's talk and Alyssa's talk, but both kind of like some like kind of high vision, right? Like Andrew's talking about. Um, all my life, the rest of my life, and like resetting the rigging, right? So in order to make that big decision for the rest of our lives, we have to do the daily decisions where we're generous and doing that. And then Alyssa talked about holiness living out in a context, right? And understanding the context we're in right now. And I think, and then maybe we heard the dating talk, which got quite practical, right? And when I, when I was reflecting on all this, I was thinking that this holiness talk, it's all my life, the rest of my life is a place we want to get to, um, but it's a process. So I don't know if you guys have experienced that yet. I mean, all my life, the rest of my life is like a high ideal. And it's maybe not necessarily a checkbox, but it's like a daily decision. So what we're going to hear about today is actually more of like setting the vision back to, I don't want to say this, the vision is kind of back to the process, like the long game, like walking with the Lord. Um, I was sharing this the other night. I have a, uh, and it's not my theory, actually, it's straight from the Bible, Matthew 25. Uh, the parable of the talents. Jesus says, to him who has, more will be given, but to him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And so, from this we can deduce, I think I talked about this earlier in the year, the Warren Buffett rule of Christianity. Okay? So Warren Buffett bought his first stock. You guys know who Warren Buffett is? Not Jimmy Buffett. Warren Buffett. Yes, right? Yes. Okay, he's, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's a billionaire. He's founded, he's president of Berkshire Hathaway, a very successful company. Um, and he made his money mainly in trading equity stocks, commodities, all kinds of stuff. Anyways, so he bought his first stock when he was 11 in 1941. Okay, that's how old he is. He's like probably close to 90 now, when he was 11. And so this is Warren Buffett's life. He like started out when he was 11, working at his dad's grocery store. And then like he made his first billion, which a billion is a lot. Isn't how much a billion is? A thousand millions. So you know what a million seconds is like 11 days? A billion seconds is like 33 years. That's the difference between a million and a billion. It's really big. Anyways, he made his first billion in 1990. To do the math, how old was he? Like six, uh, 50, 60. Right? Am I right here? No, he's like, he's like, so like, like kind of like past your prime, rather like critical, like I was an ancient, right? So he made his first billion there in 1990. Now he's worth 73 billion. So if you look at his life, like here's more about the life, it's kind of like. Show, 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 and then like first billion, woohoo! Then like the next year is just like like astronomical growth, right? And actually, I think this is actually an image I want to give to us for the Christian life. We can think like I'm young, I'm hungry, I'm like, and then like gonna like travel up at like thirty-five thousand feet for the next like sixty years, and that's gonna be it. No, it's actually not how it works. Like the Lord works in power, and like we get in the game, right? And like a lot changes and praise God, it's awesome. But like compared to like where we're gonna be and what the Lord has for us, like we're just we're just playing with little kid games here. Like we have, the Lord has so much for us. When we say all my life, the rest of my life, this is like massive fruitfulness. This is like next level living. And we can experience taste of it now and we get in the game. So what Warren Buffett did was he trained himself. He got in the game young, he started working, getting good habits, he had excellent spending habits. Um, he's a really shrewd businessman, really cunning, and he just like built that up. And eventually he, he is first billionaire. And I think that's gonna kinda of be us at a certain point in life where we like say yes to the Lord continually, we start to see fruitfulness 
kind of like really in our 40s and 50s. We start to see the, the, really the effects of our decisions. Like, start to see generational impact on other people's lives. We start to see, maybe if you have kids, our kids growing up, maybe you start to see you really understand how to, how to bring about um, results in your workplace and, and bring the Lord into that, impact other people. Maybe you have a bigger platform, you can impact others. Um, praise God. And then like, those next kind of like 20, 30 years of our life aren't to be like, like dialed down and like chill and rough and sense that retirement. No, it's like massive fruitfulness. That's like where the compounding interest takes in. So that's the kind of vision I want to give to the Christian life. You guys tracking with me? Like all my life, the rest of my life is like this kind of trajectory. So it's going to seem slow at times, but it's this process that I want to orient us to. Not the quick fix, not the excitement, not like the woohoo, four years in college, I did it. Like, praise God, awesome. But that's like just the start. So we're going to hear a talk tonight by Emily Bauer, um, who we all know and love, about relationship, identity, and mission. And when we talk about like our vocation, or even dating, like, and the big key of the dating talk right, was like, um, like, well, discerning, like, well, am I, am I ready? Like, what does that mean? Am I ready to marry the next 18 months or so? Bam, let's, let's roll with this thing, right? That was like one of the, one of the points. So I think what we can, temptation to do is be like, all right, like, look at myself, like, am I ready? Like, I got this, got this, check, check, check. And that's, that's like not what we want, X, wrong. Because um, that, what that does is that jumps all the way to like the mission part of it. Like, what do you want me to do, God? What we want to refocus us on in this process is, who is the Lord fundamentally to us? Who am I to him? And then, Lord, what do you want me to do? So we're going to kind of like take a breath in the midst of all this discernment talk and really focus on first principles, the important things of this, as like a reminder and refresher to like root ourselves as we're moving forward in this lifelong process. You guys track with me? Yeah. We good? Cool. So I'm going to introduce Emily Bauer. Um, she's a great sister of the Lord. I, mean, I had to serve with Emily her first year here in uh, Columbus. She's from Ball State, and I think she might be... What do we do? Chirp, chirp. Chirp, chirp. Yeah, you got it. Um, she also has a great clock that does bird sounds. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I know Emily as someone who is... Yeah, that's good. Um, relentlessly pursues the good and relentlessly pursues relationship with others. I've never seen Emily shy away from a problem or a difficult situation. Uh, she actually inspires me and calls me on how she attacks difficult situations. Um, oftentimes relentlessly optimistic in the face of my uh, sometimes pessimism towards situations, which balances me out really well. Um, but she's someone who sees the goodness in others naturally and wants to bring that out and is actually dedicated um, her entire 20s to seeing that happen in people's lives and has made real sacrifices that she can see other people thrive. She has a lot of wisdom. Uh, I love like, Emily, how you lead with relationship and how you deal with people, how you work with people, and how you live your life. I think it's an excellent topic and talk for you to give because how you orient yourself. So let's pray over Emily and she'll come. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord, we welcome you here, God. Father, we honor you. You're the Lord of this community. Father, you're the Lord of this place. We thank you for Emily, for her yes. But we thank you that you are present in this place to speak to us, to convict hearts, to lead us. God, we just uh, cast away and repent of any pride that would stop us from hearing your word tonight. Pray that you anoint Emily, that you anoint us here, that it all be for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Thank you. This is like super great. Okay, my heart is like beating, <laughs> um, which is probably good because it means I care that about what we're going to talk about tonight. So, 
Um, John, you set me up really well, so I'm going to like cut this whole introduction, mostly. Yeah, so tonight, I guess what I have to offer, I'm just going to start off by saying this, what I have to offer is a little bit less of a teaching and a little bit more of an exhortation. Um, so just for you to keep that in mind, I did print off an outline, though, because there's some really rich things that I want everyone to be able to take home and to savor. Um, so please hold on to your outlines. There's some quotes and things like that that hopefully that can serve you later on. Yes, so we've heard some really great talks about the context of our life and the call to holiness. And these are all really good things. And, but as John said, I know as we can, as we've been going through these talks, I contend to start to focus on where am I going and what am I doing? And the Lord is right in front of me, seeking to relate with me. And I'm like, but where are we going? And so then I can realize sometimes that instead of doing things with the Lord, I'm doing things for the Lord. And that is the pit that we don't want to fall into, right? We never want to leave the Lord to do something for him. We never want to leave the Lord to do something for him. That goes against everything that he has called us to. Our foundational call is relationship with God. If, you read the, if you've never read the catechism, the introduction is like the best part. And it's on the back of your page that you can um, reflect on that later. But it says that God, infinitely perfect and blessed in, his, in himself, God, he's got it all, infinitely perfect, blessed in and of himself, in a plan of sheer goodness, just because he freely created man to share in his own blessed life, just because he's good. And he's like, this is good, and I want to share the good. So I'm going to create Olivia, I'm going to create Alana, I'm going to create Matt so that they can share in the goodness and in the blessing of my life. So I want to make three points about the quality of our relationship with the Lord and then some obstacles. So the first quality of our relationship with the Lord is this. It's not primarily a relationship of use but it's a primarily relationship of kind of like just because is the, way, the best way I can think to put it. It's for his own sake. Because God loved us for our own sake. He created us for our own sake. To share in his blessed life, we can love him because for his own sake, right? Secondly, the catechism goes on to say, for this reason, because he created us to share in his divine life, at every time in every place, God draws close to man. So this is the second point, that it's a gift. Relationship with the Lord is a gift. At every time, in every place, God is drawing near to you. In your class, he's drawing near. Right now, he's drawing near. When you're talking to your parents over the phone every week, he's drawing near, right? When you're driving in the car, he's drawing near because he wants you to share in his blessed life. And it's always, he's always initiating. 
he initiated first, and he will always initiate, and he's the only one who will consistently always choose and initiate you. He's the only person in your life who will never get tired of you. He's the only person in your life who will never get annoyed with you, who will never want space or a break from you. He will always initiate. He will always draw near to you, and that is such a gift. He will never weary of loving us. One of the Psalms says that. And then the third quality that I want to call forth, and I want to highlight this, is radical honesty. It's a relationship of radical honesty. Total gift. All my life. All of me. All my life for the rest of my life. We're going to do a quick little word study. (laughs) Radical honesty. The word radical. Related to the word radish. (laughs) Radish root. Right? Okay. (laughs) Radical. So radical honesty is honesty of the root. You laugh, but it's true. Look it up. (laughs) Radical honesty. When we're saying radical, we're talking about like, it's like getting to the root. It's deep. It's radical. It's like deep. This is stuff of the heart, right? Pour out your heart at all times, oh people, for he cares for you. It's uncomfortable. Um, So just a little practical check with this is some questions to be asking ourselves. Are we sharing about things? Are we practicing this kind of radical honesty in our relationships with other people? So maybe small group or your one-on-one. Are there any people that you are practicing this sort of radical honesty with? Because if we can be radically honest with a brother or a sister, we can be radically honest with the Lord. While our tendency is to hide ourselves, right? Because... Adam and Eve, hello, fig leaves, right? Like, we want to hide. We want to hide. <coughs> okay, that's kind of getting into obstacles. But So, qualities, just because he will always pursue <coughs> and a relationship of radical honesty. Obstacles, so the first one I was thinking of is just difficulty in receiving, right? If God is always initiating He never wearies. He never tires of coming to us. Um, That's true, but I don't always receive. because Often because I have my own ideas of how I want him to love me or what I think it is going to look like, and then I either don't recognize it or maybe I just don't want to receive it. So that's one obstacle. The second obstacle and the one that I really want to highlight is that we can have a distorted image of God. We can have an image of God that is just a little bit off. And 1 Corinthians says, at present we see indistinctly as in a mirror, but then we will see face to face. At present I know partially, then I will know fully as I am fully known. But at present, we see indistinctly as though through a mirror. This is the challenge of an unseen God, right? We we see him as though through a mirror. Um, We see him through our fathers, the image of our fathers and our experience of our fathers in our life or other father figures or just of people who are broken, right? Or through experiences. And so we we can have these experiences 
And we start to make statements about who the Lord is, who, who the Father is. And sometimes they're true, and sometimes they might be a little bit off. And so anywhere that we have a distorted image of the Father, fear will grow. If we have a distorted image of the Father, fear will grow. Um, and fear is an obstacle because it can paralyze us. It can make us put up walls. It can cause us to try to control. This is a really good red flag to look for. If you're trying to control things, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> like, that is a flag that maybe Jesus isn't reigning over your life in that area, but it's fear that's reigning over your life. And we don't want that. Um, as we come to see God more clearly for who he is, as, we, as he continues to reveal himself to us more clearly who he is, and as we continue to um, proclaim the truth of who he is, that's going to cast the fear aside, right? Perfect love casts out fear. And we're afraid sometimes, but it's because we, God is perfect in his love, but we just, we can't see him, right? Like, sometimes we just get it a little off. Okay. So those are some obstacles. So just to remember, God's foundational call in our life is to share in his own blessed life. That catechism quote, in a plan of sheer goodness, he created us so that we could share in his blessed life. And the enemy does not want this. So he will do whatever it takes to keep us out of relationship with God. And twisting our image of the Father is one of the huge ways that he does that. Um, he might convince us that we have it all figured out. It's like the pride that John mentioned earlier. We think we know who God is, but we don't. Um, and then the other thing that the enemy will try to do is convince us that we've got ourselves figured out, right? So if he can distort our image of the Father, he can distort our image of our own self. Okay, so this is identity. We can and usually do formulate who we identify as based on our experiences in life. So some examples from my own life. Someone tells me, you're a great musician. You, uh, what did I write down here? Oh, you're so sweet. Or you're bossy. You're a perfectionist. You're boring. And we can hear those things and we can take them on as part of who we are, right? Or I experience, oh, this person is like happy to be around me. And I think I am loved. Or I experience someone ignoring me and I think I am rejected, I'm hated, I am not seen, I'm not cared about. And we can start to identify with those. And this is the enemy, right? Do you guys experience this? Okay, this is the enemy and he's doing this because he does not want us to share in the blessed life. He wants us to share in the unhappy, anxious, dark, angry, bitter, full of strife life. He doesn't want us to know who God truly is and he doesn't want us to know who we truly are. And he will always be trying to get us to make agreements with him about who the Father is. He doesn't love you. He doesn't care for you. He doesn't have your back. He will always be trying to get us to make agreements about who we are. You're not loved. You're not wanted. You're not cared for. 
you're on your own. Those are some agreements that we can make, and we need to break the agreements. So if you were on formation retreat last year, you probably did some renunciations. If you weren't, you can still do renunciations. It's a great tool. We, this is what, they're, what it's for. It's to break agreements. It's to do some battle against the lies. Against It's actually to like, it's almost like we've got a, you know when you go to the eye doctor and they do the little thing with like the lenses and it's like, bloop, bloop, bloop. And you're like, yes, no, yes. Like that's better. It's like that, right? <laughs> I don't know. I just was thinking about that. That wasn't in my notes. Um, but it's kind of like that, right? Like when we do renunciations, it's like, oh, we can see a little bit more clearly. Like I know that that's better. You know, like I can see more clearly. Um, renunciations are super helpful. Okay. We can do this, but we also want to be doing this with the Lord, right? So again, let's not fall into that pit of like, okay, I'm going to do this thing for the Lord. I'm going to like get my vision right. I'm going to see him for who he truly is. I'm going to do the battle. I'm going to proclaim the truth, but never leave the Lord to do something for him. He wants to do this with us. And so I don't remember what scripture it is, but um, it's like Jesus, and then he's talking, and I forget who he's talking to, but he, Pi, Peter, he's like, Peter, who do you say I am, right? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? It's like, everyone says that you're the son of God, and blah, 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 and he's like, yeah, but who do you say I am? And I, I found it helpful sometimes in praying with scripture, anytime there's a question, even if it's like Jesus asking them, I'll like pose it as like being asked to myself or, yeah. So anyway, that's a question I'd love for us to sit with is to ask him, who do you say that I am? Who do you say I am? Jesus, who do you say I am? Father, who do you say I am? Father, who do you say you are? It's really important that we sit with this because it can kind of creep in. Um, and soon we might start to live out of an orphan spirit. I experience this sometimes. I realize like, oh, I'm living like an orphan. I'm living like I believe all the lies and the sin and the shame is what is defining who I am. And I don't believe that God has my back. And I'm on my own, and so I'm going to control things, and I'm going to, like, try to make stuff happen. And, you know, it gets all murky. But a son and a daughter lets the truth and love and mercy define their, their life in the way that they act, not the lies and the shame and the sin. So I think if we ask this question, Lord, who do you say I am? Lord, who do you say you are? I think he's going to tell us. He's going to tell us he's for you. My son, my daughter, I'm for you. I have your back. I want blessing for you. It's why I made you. All I have is yours. I will always choose you. I'm on your side. I'm on your side because I want you to share in my blessed life. So really, guys, it's about relationship. Um, it's really about relationship. 
I could like end the talk there, but I should say something about mission, right? <laughs> You're like, what about mission? Mission. Okay, this is what Jesus has to say about mission. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not drive out demons in your name? Did we not do mighty deeds in your name? But I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. That, <laughs> I don't want Jesus to say that to any of us. Heaven forbid that we would come to the end of our life. You know, it's like great to talk about all these things. Like, we want to, we want to consider what's the context that the Lord wants me to live out holiness? What does the Lord want me to do for him? But heaven forbid we would come to the end of our life and the Lord would say, yeah, you drove out demons, you did mighty deeds, but I never knew you. I never had a relationship with you. I never had a relationship with you where you were radically honest with me, where you gave me your mind, where you gave me your heart, where you gave me your desires. I never knew you. You never let me. I always came, but you never, you never opened. You never knew. So that's what he has to say about mission. Um, it's about relationship. And, but he does say this, and I, I, this stuck out to me. He says, only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. And so I was like, okay, what's the will of the Father? And then I was like, oh, the catechism quote. <laughs> um, the will of the Father is to bring his children home, right? And this is ultimately mission, and it's why we do what we, whatever it is we do to bring people home. Everyone has this place at the table that's waiting for them. His mission, the will of the Father is to bring his children home that not one of the ones he has given to Jesus would be lost, right? But the will of the Father is to bring his children home starting with you. The will of the Father is to bring you home as well. So this is who God has made us to be in relationship with him. We talked a lot about find out or figure out what, who you want to be before you figure out what you want to do. Same idea. This is who God made you to be. I'm telling you right now. His son, his daughter, he wants you to share in his blessed life. He wants to be with you. So do this. And you will set the world on fire. St. Catherine says that. Do this. Be who God made you to be. And it'll happen. Like, it won't just happen. But like, do this. And then you will set the world on fire. Like, do, be who you were made to be. And you will set the world on fire. Okay, that's all I have. There's some questions on the back. I really want to encourage you guys to actually engage with this. I was going through some material. I've been going through some material, and I'm usually the kind of person that's like, do do do. I'll like read it and I'll read the questions and I'll like think my answers and <laughs> call it good. But I was like actually answering the questions and like writing it down. 
And I was like, oh, this is really effective. And what I was doing before wasn't. So I want to encourage you, like, actually write down. I forget exactly what I said, but I, it's good. I think it's good. It's like <laughs> pronunciation stuff. So what are some of the lies? What are some of the phrases that you've made agreements with, either about the Lord as Father or about yourself? What have you made agreements with? And then what's the truth to each one of those? And then actually, like, in your prayer time, renounce it. Like, Jesus, I renounce the lie that you don't have my back, and I proclaim the truth that you do have my back. Um, that all things work together for the good of those who love you and are called. And then the, the last point is just to reflect on the catechism, uh, paragraphs one through three. Do some imaginative prayer. Sit in the Father's gaze. Ask him what he thinks of you. Ask that question. Who do you say I am? Um, so, okay. That's it. Come, Lord.